This show comes to you from the Art of Change Skills for Life. Visit www.artofchange.com to explore how you might grow your communication and leadership skills through workshops, coaching, and more. Plus, you get to work with me. A quick content warning for today's show. We will be discussing disordered eating and food-related mindset. On her path to overcoming binge eating and losing 60 pounds without dieting, my guest discovered she could enjoy food and enjoy life. Her goal is to empower women to be confident, love your body, and love your relationship with food. My guest is Rashonda Yates. I'm Aiden Nepom, and this is The Changed Podcast. Welcome to the show, Roshanda Yates. Thank you so much for having me. I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, I'm looking forward to talking with you too. You may not know this, but my first podcast centered around health and weight issues. It was called The Positive Thin Pact. Uh, It's still out there if people are curious about it, but it was a project with a friend of mine in Texas Hmm. who is... um, she had had a goal. I don't know if she still has this goal. We haven't talked about it in a little while of losing 350 pounds. Wow. Uh-huh. And her thought was, what if we gamed the sabotage brain by just trying a new diet every week, a crazy diet every week, mm-hmm. like alphabetical order on the list of diets or whatever, um, in order to try and get that new diet feeling every week. And what we discovered was... I bet you could already guess. I am actually genuinely curious to know. <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll have to listen to that podcast. No, I'm kidding. Um, the What we discovered was that it's not that simple. You know, the the brain's ability to sabotage is strong. So I'm very Absolutely. excited to talk to you. <laughs> I, well, to the story that you just shared, I was so interested in hearing what happened because there's always these unicorn people, you know, <laughs> like there's always exceptions to the rule I found. Sure. So yeah. for some, like there's some person out there who that might work for, you know? Yeah. A little bit about me is that I um, basically for the last two years have been on a path of self-acceptance, you know, and it started with... um a huge transition in my life from, you know, the career and lifestyle that I was living to the career and lifestyle that I'm living now. Mm -hmm. Um, And in the middle was all of this messiness that um, I would not have imagined could lead to like the freedom that I have now. But um, basically in 2015, I just decided to not diet anymore, (laughs) you know, (laughs) so an extreme opposite of what you were just talking about, um, because I, I had gotten sick and tired of it and wanted to become a person who could lose weight and still eat whatever I enjoyed. Mm -hmm. Um, and when I made that decision, so many things happened in my life that enabled me to go down that path. And as I went down that path, I learned how to love myself. I learned, you know, how my worth is really not from anything external. 
And yeah, I lost 60 pounds without dieting, but that is not my biggest accomplishment by far. You know, it turned out to open so much um, up in my life. And so now I look at all of that struggle that I went through, um, 10 years of binging, yo-yo, weight loss and gain, depression. Um, I look at all that as a gift now (laughs) because it (laughs) helped me to get what I have now. Wow. So that's a big, bold change to just say all this habit that I've had, I'm going to just not worry about that anymore and seek other stuff before that moment um was change like are you the kind of person that sought out change in your life or are you the kind of person that wanted stability yeah i desperately wanted change for the mm-hmm. i would say for the majority of my life i wanted to change if i look back like my childhood um i was always butting up against reality Um, I was feeling very insecure. I was feeling very, um, sad a lot of the times, very anxious, very just feeling not at home, um, anywhere, you know? And so what I was doing was I was always trying to fix myself. And so I was trying to change, but I was probably going about it from the wrong, well, absolutely was going about it um, from the wrong mindset. So that's interesting. So you felt uncomfortable, but your your thought was, if I change myself, then I'll be okay in the world, as opposed to like somebody who's like, I feel uncomfortable, so I'm going to change my house, or I'm going to change my neighborhood, or I'm going to change my career, or I'm going to change my haircut. Well, mm. I guess that's self. I guess haircut is self. Um, True. But you went inward with that. You were like, it's me. I got to change. That's a really interesting question. Um, when I, I'm thinking back on the beginning of like this whole change journey. And it was when I started um, doing cognitive behavioral therapy, actually. It was group uh-huh. therapy. And yeah. that is what started me on, I think, the inward path. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I ended up in that therapy because I was just really butting heads with um, my dad at the time. Like he and I really couldn't communicate well. And a lot of like my trying to look for worthiness was really about me, like trying to get his approval, which I oh, now boy. know, you know, Yeah. but um, the, I would say that it was all for, yeah, for whatever reason, it was all turned inward. It was all me thinking for the most part that I needed to do something differently, be different somehow. So now what you do is you help other people do what? Basically I share my um, story of overcoming binge eating Mm -hmm. to try and help other people to first of all, feel seen and heard because um, binge eating, and I think like just any eating disorder or any type of um, addiction that has become very disruptive in one's life, it can be very hard to describe to other people like what that's like, um, that feeling of helplessness and 
being feeling out of control. Mm-hmm. And when people who don't really get it try to give advice, it's really, really difficult because you get this message that, you know, I'm broken, this is never going to change because you start trying to implement all these strategies that are really mm-hmm. um, actually counterproductive to what you're trying to do. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then you feel, you start feeling judged. Um, you start feeling, you know, the shame just sets in deeper and deeper and deeper. And so when I was going through this journey myself, like I found myself um, going through this cycle of saying, okay, this is the last time I'm never doing this again. And really meaning that (laughs) very sincerely saying that, but then I would binge again. And then I would, you know, I would just feel so ashamed and it would just kind of reset that cycle. And basically I learned to not trust myself, you know? Yeah. My, uh, the, my co-host from that show uh, would share with me these experiences that she would have that were a little bit mind blowing for me because when I think of binge eating for myself, it's like uh, it's, it's different than her experience, right? When I think of binge eating, I'm like, I, I had, I had snacks after eight and I wasn't planning on having snacks after eight. Maybe I had two bowls of chips versus, and when I say bowls, it's like mm-hmm. little snack size bowls. She would share these experiences with me where she was like, um, she wasn't even aware that she was eating. Mm. until after it was over it was like yeah black, almost a blackout um where she would sort of like come out of it not totally a blackout she was like aware that she had made a choice to eat but wasn't registering what was happening and then next thing you know it's like a block of cheese and three boxes of crackers are gone exactly <laughs> and I, I can totally I, relate to that yeah yeah so and it is do, different I can totally see how, you know, like common nutrition uh, advice would be inapplicable. I'm super curious, like what, how do you unlock that? Um, How do you go from like not knowing what you're doing and then feeling remorse after to doing something else? How do you change that? Yeah, that is, that's a... (laughs) It's it's a big um, question and, you know, there's, there's a few different layers to this. I'll approach it um, from one of the biggest problems that I, um, the biggest mistakes that I see people making when they try to address a binge eating problem is that they try to solve a binge eating problem with weight loss solutions mm-hmm. and it's it's not a matter of like you know how to lose weight it's a matter of how to think differently mm-hmm. um the problem really centers in the mentality of somebody who struggles with binge eating mm-hmm. and um i want to take a step back also and make a a tiny distinction between like what you, the story that you shared about like, oh, you know, I ate a few snacks after 8 p.m. and I didn't mean to. Mm -hmm. Um, Like one of the things I often talk about is like, that is the difference between someone who might get like a diagnosis, for example, of binge eating disorder versus Mm -hmm. somebody who 
um, you know, might like eat a pint of Ben and Jerry's or something. And because they were feeling a little sad or stressed or whatever. Right. And then then they're just like, oops, you know, that really, I shouldn't have done that. I feel a little sick or whatever. And then they move on with their lives versus someone who did what I did and like completely beat myself up over that. Thought about it for weeks, months later, Um, you know, try to undo it by like either purging or, Mm -hmm. you know, over-exercising or restricting, like going days without eating. So there's a real overreaction and then also the shame of it. So Mm -hmm. those things are things that really can draw the distinction. You know, if you're wondering like, is this a problem for me or not? Like if you don't, if you've never thought that it was a problem, it's probably not a problem, you know? Mm So for those people who do struggle, um, it, for me, the biggest change happened when I gave up control. That seems counterintuitive. Right. I know. And it's, it totally is. It's completely counterintuitive because all you want to do is hang on to control. All you want to do is like, you know, manage your food, stop yourself from eating too much food, stop, you know, start counting your calories or, you know, start thinking, oh, well, maybe if I stop eating sugar, because like when I eat sugar, I want more of it. Maybe that'll stop it or trying different diets. All of these manifestations of control, Mm -hmm. um, which make great weight loss tools, right? Like all of those things can really help like spark weight loss um, Mm -hmm. in your body. But if you are thinking in a way that's not serving you, then nothing that you do Mm -hmm. is actually going to result in um, freedom from binge eating. Mm -hmm. So letting go of control was the huge like step that I took and there was a long process that went before that and there's been a process after that but that is what made the biggest difference thank you for sharing all of that um you know I can't help but notice some parallels Uh, my realm of expertise is in uh is in social behavior in the workplace. And uh, one of the things that comes up really frequently is micromanagers. And it's another example of needing to let go of control. Both parties typically need to let go of control. And there's this theme that comes up quite often in business where in order to get the best out of your people, you have to relinquish control. Mm -hmm. In order to get the best out of yourself, you have to let go. (laughs) And so of course, excuse me. So of course it makes sense that, you know, if, if you want to have a better outcome with your relationship with yourself, that there's also an element of letting go, but you can't let go entirely of everything or everything falls apart. So it seems like there's a balance to be struck as well. I think like that balance comes in with Number one, first you you let go of control and you set your intention for like, what do I want my relationship with food to be? Mm-hmm. You know, I know what I don't want. So what do I want? How do I want that to look? And you really can have whatever relationship with food that you want. You really can. Um, but when, so for example, I, I knew that I wanted to um, 
be able to eat whatever I wanted and still lose weight, still meet my weight loss goals. Okay. And because I set that intention, I started finding teachers that would help me to reach that very goal. It's, you know, normal to think, okay, if I, if I let go, I'm going to just struggle and I'm going to binge and I'm just going to go crazy, you know? Well, that's where, you know, mentorship comes in mm-hmm. and having someone who's been there. Um, for me, I tried to figure it out for way too long before finally realizing like, there's people who've already done this. They've done exactly what I wanted to, you know? (laughs) And I found someone who had done it and who was able to encourage me and had the right process. And I came as a willing student, you know? So I came open and I came curious. So when you bring all those things to the table, you know, there's plenty of help out there if you are willing and open and curious. But be clear on what you want your relationship to look like. So it's that balance of like letting go and trusting that the solution is going to come in. So it's faith, you know, having Mm -hmm. that faith. um, I'm a big believer in that. Um, And then secondly, um, doing the work of getting clear on what you want your relationship with food to look like, you know, is that you want to be able to eat pizza without binging on it. Mm-hmm. You know, is it that you want to be able to, you know, are you the kind of person who just, you know, sits down to an indulgent meal once a week? Whatever that looks like, it doesn't matter. Do you want to be able to eat cake every single day? <laughs> you know, you because you can do that and still lose weight. It just depends on what you want and what works for you. And once you get clear on that, you're going to find it. You're going to start finding the solutions. I do want those things. Um, (laughs) um, well, so thank you for sharing all of that about your current professional life, where you are today. Um, I am, I want to get really curious about you and this may take us into the past. I don't know, because I've invited, I've invited you here to tell me a story from your real life of a pivotal moment that you experienced. (laughs) Sure. Um, This was January of 2019, and um, I had a friend in town from Los Angeles. I live in the New Orleans area, and she had come to visit, and we had sat down to have dinner. She had um, prepared, like, just a, a nice pizza at her house and baked some cookies. Her mom was there, too, and we were all there, and... At this time in my life, I had um, started earnestly seeking my solution for my binge eating issues because it had become so problematic that I was I was so like heavy and over like overweight that I had such I had low mobility. I was really I had low energy. I was very um I wasn't depressed at this time. By that time, I had really gotten through a lot of that, but I just knew I could be better and happier. And so I remember sitting down at that meal and thinking um, about like food a lot. And we were having a conversation, but in the back of my mind, I just was really uh, like mentally obsessed with, with eating, like 
thinking about things like, you know, how much food are they eating? How much food should mm-hmm. I be eating? Like just very in my head about it. And she offered me seconds and I said, no, thank you. And I remember thinking, oh, good job. Like I turned down seconds, you know, and I, I just had this kind of pride about that. Um, then I left her house and it's really what happened next. That is the fork in the road moment. So I was driving my husband's utility van for whatever reason, which is like one of those large AT&T service vans. I got in and I got on the highway and I started and I took out my phone and I got on the Domino's pizza app and I ordered pizza and I was driving on the highway. So 60, 70 miles an hour. I was on my app on my phone ordering pizza, which mind you, I had just consumed at a friend's house. I just turned down seconds. And so this was very odd behavior. Um, And it's the kind of behavior, frankly, that I had been doing for many years. But for whatever reason, the next morning after having like gotten home, eaten the pizza, gone to bed, woke up the next morning, for whatever reason, it struck me in that moment how dangerous that was for both me and other people on the road, how insane it was, how it didn't make any sense. Like I had just eaten why was why did I have this desperate desire to have pizza so bad that I would put myself and others in that kind of danger? And I remember I had a mentor at that time who was helping me through my my binge eating problems. I remember calling her up and just saying, like, this is crazy. This thing happened. And I was talking to her with tears in my eyes and saying, you know, this doesn't make any sense. What is this? What is wrong with me? You know, mm. And she just said, what does powerlessness feel like to you? And when she asked me that question, it was like, I got it. I got that I had been overthinking, overanalyzing, trying to like strong arm myself into recovery. And from that point forward, I just became open, like sincerely open to actually receiving help. Because until that point, I thought I had been open. And it wasn't until I kind of had that rock bottom moment, if you will, that I really got sincerely open. And that's when my true answers started just coming into my life. And that led to me taking full responsibility for my life for everything about my life, my emotions, my thoughts. Um, And what I ended up doing was taking stock of like everything that I thought made me binge eat. You know, and I say that very specifically because I now realize that none of those things made me, quote unquote, made me binge eat. But at the time I thought they did and I took stock of everything and I just went through that list one by one and I said, okay, well, You know, I have all these resentments, for example. What is my part in these resentments? Because I'm the one who's suffering, you know? No matter what anybody else did to me, I'm the one sitting here with this resentment that's just tearing me apart. So what's my part? Like, can I see my side of this and how I contribute it? And when I started doing that, I remember going to my dad 
and sitting down with them and I and I said you know during it was a certain period in my life that I was living with my dad as an adult and I said you know during that year I was incredibly selfish and I know that my behavior put a strain on yours and mom's marriage and it probably affected everyone else in the house and I'm sorry And I want to know how I can make things right. And this is the second fork in the road because the way that my dad responded, I could never have imagined it. Because what I haven't talked about is the fact that me and my dad, I think maybe I kind of alluded to it a little bit, but he and I had had a very contentious relationship from my perspective my entire life. I thought that there was nothing but hostility between us. I was constantly trying to feel his love, you know, and never felt like I could feel it from him. But when I sat down with my dad that night, the way that he responded to me was incredible. I, he started to talk about how he, first of all, had like seen the things that I was talking about. Like he did observe like selfish behaviors and stuff like that. So he acknowledged it. But then he said, you know, but that was never you. And I never believed that that was you. And he said, Mm -hmm. who you are is the person who's sitting here right now saying this to me. (laughs) And I felt so seen in that moment. I'm about to start tearing up right now. But I remember just knowing that that was everything that I had ever wanted in our relationship, you know? And from that day forward, our relationship changed. I mean, it's completely 180 from what it was before. And it's beautiful, you know? And like, I never would have expected that binge eating would have led to (laughs) me getting my relationship with my dad that I wanted, (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that was the second fork is like, getting it's like in that moment I got new eyes I started seeing the entire world completely different from taking that step of having that conversation with him because I started to see whoa if I have been totally like filtering out an entire um experience of Mm -hmm. my dad what else am I not seeing in my life like what are what other blind spots and blocks do I have and it just opened up everything. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Well, thank you for sharing all of that. Um, I'm really struck by this moment on the freeway app in hand, 70 miles an hour ordering pizza. Uh, That's a, that's, that's, um, and in that moment, like a semi-awareness of it, but wasn't until the next day that you really woke up. But I'm curious also if, if you can help me understand what, what is the difference between the conversation that you had with yourself that morning and the conversation you might've had with yourself after any binge? Because it still seems like there's a, like, what was I doing and why did I do that? And remorse, right? And Mm -hmm. there's that, it still seems like there's that shame language that I don't want to say walk of wake of shame because it wouldn't be Mm -hmm. walk of shame, but you know, Can, can you help me understand the the distinction between those moments? Yeah, you know, maybe so there like isn't a, one. I don't know. No, there is, and I think like the difference is that 
um, I had already started the process that would basically lead to my recovery moment. Mm -hmm. Um, that day that I woke up and I was like, whoa, you know, I'd already started having some seeds planted from my mentor that showed me, um, a way of thinking differently that I had never considered before. Hmm. And that way was that, and like, I, I want to make sure I want to frame this as, I want to put a little context around this, I guess. Um, because like this can be something that can, it can be a little bit triggering to people to hear this, but for other people, it can be extremely helpful. And I have like come from thinking this way to evolving the way that I think about it. But she put it in the context of, she used the metaphor of an illness and Mm -hmm. she said, you know, this is just an illness. This is just something like you wouldn't shame somebody who had a terminal illness, like someone who was diagnosed with cancer or something like that, like you wouldn't shame that person, would you? And so why would you shame yourself for this? You know? (laughs) And like having that perspective, having that like way of looking at it, Mm -hmm. I guess helped me to sort of disassociate a little bit from it and not make it that it was me, Mm. you know? Mm-hmm. And that was just enough to begin to like crack me open and let me be open to hearing um, good advice, you know, because like, I feel like before that I was just really doing the same thing over and over again. And it just kept looking a little bit different, like trying mm-hmm. a million different diets so that's a really great question. I've never been asked that before, and I never thought about that. Well, you're welcome. That's what I do. <laughs> I, ask, I, ask, I ask to get curious. I ask the questions. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, it was such a vivid image in my mind. I could like picture that sort of like pizza hangover moment. Um, you know, if I eat too much of something, which again, I want to be clear when I say too much of something for me, it's different. Um, and I recognize that difference, but, um, I still, I can get a hangover from that in the same way that I would from alcohol. So I'll wake up the next day and like, my eyes are like trying to get out of the bottom of my chin. So it, it's, it's a, you know, it's interesting. So to me, I'm like, I'm picturing this like roll out of bed hangover, Mm. um, Especially yeah. the way that you describe driving. It's like there is a kind of intoxication. There is a kind of addiction. Mm. I've often heard this described as the most frustrating of addictions because mm. when it comes to booze or drugs or cigarettes or sex, you can abstain. That's a choice you can make. When it comes to food, if you abstain from food, you die. Right. So it's a complicated. <laughs> it's very complicated. A, yes. <laughs> really complicated relationship. Um, you don't get to s- just stop it. You can't just stop. Yeah. Also to add to that, the fact that abstaining from food is part of the manifestation of the actual addictive mm-hmm. behavior as well. Because you look at the other side of the coin, it's anorexia. Right. You know, and binge eating are really two sides of the same coin. It's really the Mm -hmm. same kind of mental gymnastics, if you will, that goes on. 
Um, well, this is a vulnerable topic, but I, I have the personal belief and the reason I invited you on the show that these things actually should be talked about, that it's the stigma of not talking about them that feeds, ugh, no pun intended, that feeds the problem. Um, you know, it's like, it's like with anything, if we can't seek help, if we can't take ownership for our own emotions around something, you know, it's like you got to open things up to heal. Absolutely. Which sounds counterintuitive again, because when we think about, um, you know, if we cut our finger on something, we don't open the wound up to heal. But if you've had a significant trauma to your body, you might actually have to open that up and have surgery. Yeah, in order a to metaphor. Heal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Having pizza at your friend's house that night. What do you think would have happened if you had given yourself permission to have seconds? Um, I think, you know, it, it, that's an interesting question because like giving permission um, is something that it can be helpful. So, but looking back on how, what my mindset was at the time, like I couldn't have really given myself permission. Mm-hmm. I might have accepted seconds, mm-hmm. but I might have still beat myself up for having them. Mm-hmm. If I could have you know, had the seconds and also said and honestly believed this is okay, mm-hmm. then it would have been a completely different outcome potentially, you know? I mean, at any moment in my life, if I had done that before <laughs> before this happened, then it would have been different. Again, that's really kind of gets to the crux of it is that it was how I was thinking. Because really, a second helping of pizza wouldn't have made any difference in anything at all, you know, yeah, <laughs> which is something yeah. that I wasn't aware of at the time. That's, that's just fascinating to me. It's like, you know, you think of these moments, sometimes little things make a difference and sometimes big things make a difference. And in this particular story, it, it wasn't the little thing that made the difference. It, it was the big thing when the biggest thing mm. that needed to happen was for your thoughts to have a shift. Hmm. Um, which, you know, it, change your mind sounds so easy when you just say it as words, right? You know, like it, people giving advice are like, we'll just do it differently. Um you know, how's that working for you? Do it differently. That's like a really standard (laughs) way of trying to be helpful. And so I'm, I'm curious what your thoughts are, what you would say to somebody who's like, yeah, I've been trying to change my mind. I've been trying to change my mind since I was 11. Mm. Yeah. That was an Um, arbitrary age, but you get it. (laughs) Yeah, that is... It is. um, I remember having the same thoughts, actually. Um, Hearing people talk about um, things that were, they seemed so good, but I couldn't, I just couldn't do them. I didn't have Mm -hmm. the ability to do them. And what's coming up for me right now is to just um, try and have as much self-compassion as you can possibly muster um, for yourself 
Um, because, you know, it's, it's just your journey, you know? I mean, I know that doesn't sound very helpful, yeah. but the fact of the matter is that you're going to be ready when you're ready and nobody can manufacture your readiness. Um, but when you're ready, you will change. I firmly believe that, that when you are willing to change, you're going to change. I believe that's how life works. Mm -hmm. Um, So if you want to start anywhere, start with, start working on your willingness. The other thing I would say is like a huge block to willingness um, in my experience has been shame. Mm -hmm. And so if you are experiencing shame, like it really closes you off to being willing to change. Um, and there is, um, some amazing, um, shame research, um, done by Brene Brown. And I, mm-hmm. I recommend that to everyone. Um, that's where I really began is like reading her work. Um, and it, that is a process. It's not a quick fix at all, but if you're willing, then you will get the answers, you know? So, mm-hmm. um, that being said, when you get willing and you start you know, getting these solutions, um, eventually there will be a time when everything changes and you will know when that happens. So um, the last thing I want to say is like, don't settle. (laughs) Um, Because like I, I tried to settle, for example, for like, I had lost a lot of weight at one time, Mm -hmm. but I was miserable. Mm-hmm. You know, like I was like thin, I was the thinnest I'd ever been, but I was miserable. And when I made the decision that I was, I was going to be happy and meet my health goals, um, I was able to do that mm-hmm. because I didn't settle for less, you know, and everyone deserves to be happy. (laughs) Everyone deserves that. So um, yeah, don't settle is the last thing I want to say about that. Thank you so much, uh, Rishonda. Awesomeness. How do people find you if they want to know more? I I have a podcast called the Ending Your Binge Eating Podcast. So you can find me there. Um, I have a free gift that I'd love to share with your listeners. Um, they can pick that up at sinfox.com slash Rashonda Yates. Well, we'll put links to the things on the Change Podcast website where the show notes will be for this episode. Um, I just want to say thank you so much. I think that, uh, you know, the story that you shared, that was a vulnerable share and I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I've enjoyed this. Thanks for having me. What really sticks out for me after this conversation with Rashonda is this interesting relationship with control that is all too familiar, not just in life and habit, but in work and relationship as well. It certainly seems to me that in many cases where it comes to control, the more you think you have, the less effective you actually are. We think we can strong arm our way through so much, but in reality, letting go is the strange unlock for getting the outcomes we actually want. 
In Rashonda's case, she had to let go of controlling food in order to get a handle on her binge eating. In the workplace, if you want your team to perform better, research shows that as a leader, you can have a strong desired outcome, but there's also a letting go. Because in order to bring out the best in people's performance, you must let go of how they achieve what is asked of them. Any rock climber will tell you, the tighter you hold on to the rocks, the faster your muscles fatigue, and the more likely you are to lose your grip, fall, and get hurt. If you're interested in learning more about Rashonda Yates and or are interested in stopping your own cycle of binge eating and shame, visit sendfox.com slash Rashonda Yates. And please share this episode with anyone that you think would benefit from the conversation. Thank you for listening to The Changed Podcast. Make sure you click the subscribe button and while you're there, drop us a review. I'm Aidan Nepom, and I wish you the kind of experiences in life you're excited to tell stories about. <laughs>